Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Going to be a fantastic year. I'm looking forward to it because I look forward to every day, right? I was talking yesterday to uh, some of the folks that came out to the upward sports that began yesterday and talked to them about having that eternal perspective. Hey, if you've got, if you're down and you're out, you're depressed, God has got something for all of us to live by and it, our eternal life. And if that doesn't motivate us, I don't know what will. We're living an eternal life. Last week, <clears throat> we heard from our care and outreach pastor, Barry Allen, who was just up here. And Brother Barry brought us a message uh, that he titled, By Faith. And he challenged us to be living by faith. Not, not in that uh, name it, claim it fashion, um, but to be like the men and the women that were listed in that Old Testament book of Hebrews. <clears throat> Excuse me. They lived by faith. And they lived through a, a lot of hectic and harrowing times. But they kept their faith. And that faith connected them with what they couldn't see. And they lived by it. And that faith connected them with God. And Brother Barry encouraged us all to go read Hebrews chapter 11 and to be inspired by faith. And we're rolling into a new year, 2020. It's a time where we we sometimes clear the slate and we say, okay, we're gonna look forward to the new year. What a great way to start the new year. Look at the new year living by faith. So I don't know how many of you went and read Hebrews chapter 11, but I did. I, I heard... The, uh, the encouragement, I read it a few times. And the examples of faith, they're humbling. M- m- who of us? I mean, have we ever had an edict? How many have lived through an edict like some of those, uh, Moses' family? The edict that all the boys should just be killed, thrown in the Nile. Who lived through that? We haven't lived through anything near something that Harrowing, You know, who of us have faced the jeers and floggings like the Apostle Paul, chains and imprisonment, or who's uh, wandered uh, through deserts and mountains and, uh, you know, w- w- beyond this Hebrews 11, there's all kinds of characters in the Bible, and I just started thinking about them. And yet all the while, they kept their faith. And th- in Hebrews 11, though, that these people in the Old Testament, they endured through these times, keeping their faith. And as I read Hebrews 11, there was two verses that just, they kept popping out at me when I thought of the lives of these people. They were real people and all the things that they faced these two verses, verses 13 and 39, and they, they're, I want to read them to you. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. 
They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Well, that's in those lines, they just stopped me. All of these difficulties, troubles, tribulations, and yet they hadn't even received the promise. And what had been promised? What was the big promise? The big promise was redemption from sin, a solution to the sin-caused dysfunction, the sin-caused breach in the relationship between God and mankind. There was a promised Savior. There was redemption that had been promised. And all the people that are listed there in Hebrews chapter 11 They were looking forward to this promise. They were looking forward to Jesus, though they might not have known it exactly. They were looking forward to a savior that was promised, but Jesus hadn't come during their lifetimes. It wasn't their time to receive what had been promised. And that got me thinking too, just about time. God put us into time. This eternal God, the God that stands outside of time, he's eternal. And that means he has no duration that we can even conceive because he's got no beginning and he has no end. Eternal, forever and ever in both directions from where we stand right here in the moment in the present. Infinity, to the past, infinity, to the future, because we are in time and he isn't. So we have this this concept, this idea of time that we live in, and yet God's eternal. He invented this thing called time. And all of us, we're living in a particular time. It's 2020. We're, We're starting 2020. That's the time we live in. And we live in this culture, this North American, United States of America, and what a time to be living. And I I know you could say, oh, you you can take me down. You could take me down. I want to say what a time to be living. It's a great time to be living. And you'll tell me, some could tell me all about the issues. And yes, I know there's issues in the world. Absolutely. Yes, there are. And if you've been reading the papers, places like Australia, Australia's burning, and it, it's, a, it's terrible to look at the, the photos and you look at a satellite image, it looks like the whole continent's on fire. They're having fires there that are uh, record-breaking. And of course, in the Mideast, uh, in Iraq, the, the craziness that's going on. And you know, we have people here that have family in Iraq. And of course, we're praying for uh, peace and stability in there. Yes, I know there's issues out there in, in the world But let's consider, though, not just the troubles and the trials and the issues, but, hey, count your blessings. Count your blessings as you go into every new day. We are blessed in this country. Our cup overflows with blessings. And I know many of you personally could get up here and testify and tell us about how God has blessed you. And this Wednesday, we are going to talk a little bit about how God has blessed our church. 
and our state of the church meeting. You know, come to it and, and hear some of the great things God's done, even though times are a bit crazy in certain areas of the world. And we, yes, we have to deal with that. But we're blessed. And on top of all of these material blessings that we enjoy, we are living in the time of promise, the promise kept, the promise that those Old Testament characters in Hebrews chapter 11 were only looking forward to. We are living in that time. They were anticipating a promise. They were anticipating a consummation, an end of waiting. And yet they never received that promise. They were before Jesus, but they kept their faith, didn't they? We read about it. These people of faith, they, they kept their faith and their hope in this promise that God had made, which is Jesus. And then what happened? God, the eternal God, he stepped into time. The, this eternal God, and our minds can't grasp this idea completely, he transcends time. He stepped into time at the perfect time. And it's called God's set time. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote about that in his letter to the, the church or the churches in, in the region of Galatia. And I want to share with you some of that and talk about this idea of the, the set time that God had where the promise came. And I'm going to begin at the end of Galatians chapter 3, the last verse, verse 29. Galatians 3:29, it reads this way: If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, Abraham was one of these Old Testament guys that was mentioned in the New Testament book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And what promise had been given to Abraham? Well, you can read Genesis chapter 18. It's repeated again in Genesis 22 and Genesis 26. Through your offspring, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. All the nations on the earth. If we belong to Jesus Christ, we are Abraham's offspring. Blessed, blessed because of the promise of Jesus Christ. We enjoy living in a time right now after the coming of Jesus Christ where we can receive the promise. That's the blessing to the entire earth. Through Abraham, Jesus Christ came. Through Abraham. And we can all bask in that blessing that was Christ who came through this nation of Israel. We enjoy this time living as an heir. But an heir to what? And as Paul, he wrote this, you're heirs according to the promise. But what's, what does that mean? Well, he explains it. It rolls, and into chapter four, he explains it. So here's chapter four, verses one to seven. And Paul says this, what I am saying. So he's gonna explain this idea of you know, being Abraham's seed and an heir, etc. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. So if you're not of age, you can't receive 
the inheritance. You know, just, you're just like a slave. They're not going to receive the inheritance. And if you're underage, he says in verse 2, then the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, when we were not heirs, in other words, we, we weren't receiving the promise. When we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So Paul writes here, when the set time or the time set by God had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That we might become sons of God. Because you are his sons, God, he wrote, God sent his spirit. We're, not, we're, we're no longer a slave, but, but we're God's child. So, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about what, what Paul wrote here. That, that when the, the time set by the Father had come. When Paul wrote, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Let's peel that apart a little bit. Let's, let's peel that apart and talk about that. He wrote, when the set time had come, had fully come, what does that mean? When the, when the set time? It, he's talking about when Jesus was born. When Christ came. Christ was born on Christmas Day. We just celebrated that. We sing about it. We talk about it. And I was once asked this question. Was Jesus born on December 25th? I don't know if you've ever been asked that question or if the, the question has ever pondered your mind. And so I answered, well, I can't really tell you that for a fact. I can't. But I was pressed on this. I was pressed. If you can't tell me that it was a fact that Jesus was born on December 25th, why are you celebrating this birthday of Jesus on December 25th? And by the way, don't you know that December 25th has pagan roots? That was, that was a celebration of the, the birth of some sun god? And I said, well, gee, I... 
Now, I, I guess maybe I didn't really realize that for sure, but what does the Bible tell us about this? I, I look to the, book, the word of God and uh, Romans chapter 14, it says one person considers one day um, more sacred than another, another considers every day alike, and each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. And whoever regards one day as special does so unto the Lord. So I said, hey, I, 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 I honor December 25th unto the Lord. So I can redeem the day. If you think it's a pagan day, well, so is Sunday. So is Monday. I mean, Sunday's named after sun god. Monday's named after the moon god. We still call them Sunday and Monday. I mean, have we stopped calling them Sunday and Monday because there's some pagan roots? No, we're not honoring some pagan god. So he said, well, you know, I'm not, uh, I am not honoring a pagan god on December 25th. So I regard this day as special unto the Lord, like the word of God says, I honor it. And I'm not honoring some pagan god. I mean, we live in time. God put us in time. He put us in um, hours and minutes and seconds and days and months. We mark the days. We have dates. Okay, so, so it is. Christmas Day is December 25th. Well, I don't have Jesus' birth certificate. It's not in the Bible. I can't go to the town of Nazareth and look it up. But that, it's a date that people decided. What's the Lord's date? What's the Lord's date? Paul wrote when the set time had fully come. The set time. The set time. That's God's, that, that's the date. God selected it. And so, so what if I don't know exactly what day it was? I can still honor my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and celebrate that he was born. The eternal God alone can know when the set time had fully come. And when in the eternal wisdom of God, the set time fully came, the hour was struck. Jesus was born. It's not going to happen again. And that's when God, the son, he stepped out of eternity into time. And that's an amazing thing. He was born in a stable. He, he was put in a manger. Angels rejoiced. Uh, there was... Uh, these wise men from the east who came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh to honor the little baby. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, all these things. But let me reiterate, it's the eternal God alone who can know when the set time is. And when that time arrived, when the set time had fully come, the word says God sent his son the set time came, God sent his son. That little phrase, it, it, it shares significance with other passages of the Bible, that God sent his son. When Jesus was baptized, he heard a voice. And what did the voice say? This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter three. And then Psalm two which is repeated, it's quoted in Acts 13, it's quoted in Hebrews chapter five. You are my son, today I've begotten thee. So Paul wrote, when the set time came fully, 
God sent his son. What was he doing? He's, he was talking about the divinity of Christ, the, the divinity of, uh, of this human-born child, that he was fully God. So first and foremost, Jesus is God. He's the son of God. And that was in, especially important for these Galatians to uh, understand and to know. Because in the, the opening of that letter, Paul wrote, you've deserted Jesus. You've deserted Christ. You're not living by faith. What did we hear last week? Live by faith. Live by faith. And Paul opens this letter and says, you're not living by faith. You have deserted the one who died for you. you their faith in living in the divine Holy Spirit the spirit that Jesus sent, it was slipping away. And so Paul made it clear. God sent his son, who was completely divine. But he went on. He said, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Well, that's an interesting transition. God sent his son, born of a woman. So he's making the point here, this entirely divine son of God was also completely human. God became a man. He took on flesh. We have a word for it. It's the, the word's incarnation, incarnate, that, that divinity took on humanity. So this idea of the incarnation, it's a cornerstone of our faith. By faith, we believe that God became man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And if Jesus is not God, then he's just a failable man. He can't die for my sins because that would make him a sinner. So he's got to be fully God. He has to be perfect. But if he's not man, if he's not man, then nothing really changes. The apostle couldn't have written when the set time had fully come. I mean, what would that be about? When God decided to remain God? That doesn't even make sense. When the set time fully came, God became a man. God stepped out of infinity into time. He took on flesh and he became human in every way. Why? So he could make atonement for our sins. He, Jesus experienced what we experienced. He felt pain. He suffered. He understood what it meant to be a human being. And he was going to accomplish something by becoming a human being. And Paul went on. He wrote, when the said time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law. Jesus was born under the law that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai and all those same rules and regulations Jesus was born under and he followed the law. But he was accused of being a lawbreaker. He was vilified by the leaders of his day. The scribes, the Pharisees, what did they accuse Jesus of? Not keeping the Sabbath day. You're a Sabbath breaker. It, because he did some good things. On the Sabbath day, Jesus was maligned because he said, I'm the, God's my father, that he made himself equal with God. So they maligned him. He was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. 
the accusations of Jesus, they didn't stand up. They didn't stand up to a, a, a proper application of God's law. What did they stand up to? They stood up to the, the, the legality of this pharisaical, man-made amendments that were put in the law by these Pharisees and uh, scribes. But Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. And he commands us to follow his example and his teaching. But we can't do it perfectly. I'm human. We're all human. None of us can follow the law perfectly. That's why Jesus came. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the, the apostle wrote, when the set time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Well, that's a wonderful thing, to redeem those under the law. Christ came to really set the record straight regarding the law of God. He was the only perfect law keeper because he was fully divine, he was fully God. He was fully, fully, completely divine, but he was also human, 100%. And because he kept the law, he opened a way for all of us who can't keep the law perfectly. Well, how? What did he do? How did that happen? He redeemed mankind from the curse of the law. He lifted this burden. You know, Paul was writing somewhat of a summary there in chapter four of, the, uh, of his letter to the Galatians when he wrote that line. And he had detailed this idea about the curse in Galatians 3, and you can read that whole chapter and, and see where he was going with this. He, he wrote about being redeemed from the curse. And in chapter 3, verse 10, he said, those who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And there's the, there's the real crux of the matter. Are you relying? Are you relying on the works? The Galatian people, they'd fallen away from living by faith. They'd fallen away from relying on the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, the faith believing that that was what made them righteous before God, that Jesus bled and died for them on the cross and that he'd sent his Holy Spirit. They weren't living by faith in the Holy Spirit. No, they were doing these extra works and they were relying on those. And instead of relying on on the works of the law to be righteous with God, We need to rely on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because if we're relying on the works, it eliminates the sacrifice of Christ. And this is what the apostles say in these Galatians were doing. You're not living by faith and you're eliminating the cross. You're eliminating what Jesus did and you're putting this burden on you that you can't carry. Now he wasn't implying, now Paul wasn't saying, listen, you know, if you're redeemed from the the curse of the law, you can just do whatever you want. That's not what he was saying. It wasn't saying that you're a redeemed person, you can go off and do whatever you please. No, he said, follow the example of Jesus. Paul had said that more than once. He'd written it more than once. Why? Because Jesus was a law keeper. Follow his example, but rely on the gift that he gave in the giving of his life to make you righteous before God. Believe, have faith, have faith in the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
that he, that he took away your sin and you've been received as righteous before God. The incarnate Jesus, he felt human pain, he suffered and he died and he took the penalty for our sin. So rely on that gift. Don't rely on just on doing these, these works. And if you rely uh, on the rules to get right with God, you're under a curse. You're in bondage. And so this is why too, the, the apostle uses this image of the slave the image of the slave. He said, you know, you can be set free. No more bondage. No more burden. No more burden of this, this following these rules to perfection. And he used an image that was very common to, to the first century. The, the image of slavery. It was common in the first century Greco-Roman world where these Galatians lived. There were no strangers to slavery. They understood this image. It wasn't uncommon for a slave to be part of a, a, a family, serving that family for many, many years. But slaves could be set free. They could be set, set free by being purchased. The, a redemption price paid. So the image was clear. These people understood this. So somebody could pay for a slave and set them free and then grant them their freedom. And in some instances, a, a slave might work long enough to purchase their own freedom. It wasn't even unheard of that if a slave worked diligently, long and hard, that a master would set that slave free. But Paul made a reference to redemption and he added to it. He added something so much better. And this is, this is the, the final point. When the set time had fully come, God said his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. The adoption to sonship or to become a child of a parent. And that's a better way for any slave to be redeemed. You know, if you're set free, if you were a slave and you're set free and you're, you're put out on your own, oh yeah, you can go out and face the world on your own. But to be adopted into a family, now there's a difference. And that wasn't a totally unheard of practice either where a slave, after a time, would just be taken in as one of the family. You can read, even Abraham did that. Abraham had servants that became one of the family. Paul, Paul wrote, we might receive adoption to sonship because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Wow, if a slave were adopted, they could say Abba. Now Abba, this was a, a, a different word. It wasn't a Hebrew word. It wasn't a Greek word. This word Abba it came from the, the Chaldee or the Syriac language. And it has a specific meaning. You might have heard that Abba means uh, a term of endearment like daddy or papa. And, and it does have that connotation. It has that term of endearment connotation. But it's so much more. It's so much more and don't miss it. For a servant at that time to look to the master of the house and say, you're my father, that was totally forbidden. It was totally, completely prohibited. 
in, in the Syriac language cultures, when this word Abba was used, it was used to address the authentic father, the authentic father from the legitimate, authentic heirs, which was most often a natural born child. But the apostle saying here, man, if you're a servant and you've been officially adopted, you can say Abba. You can say Father. You can say it legitimately. This morning, I sat down to have a cup of coffee, and like I do many mornings, I just, I scan the news, I look at headlines, and I saw this headline. This was just this morning. And it said, Wisconsin foster mom adopts six boys. And this woman had two of her own children, her biological children. Her name is Jessica Benzikin. And she legally adopted six boys ages four to 17. And I mean, man, that caught my eye. One of these young men, 14 years old, when it came to the adoption, he was like, yeah, we're adopted, but he said, we consider each other as family no matter what, because he's got a parent now. He is a parent that's official. I was intrigued by this, and there was some, I could get links to videos. The judge said, you know, not, not too much happens good here in the courthouse. So when, when something good happens, we need, to, we need to make note of it. And he brought, I saw this video, he brought all six of these young men up to the uh, right up to the bench. And they all held his hand. So his hand's on the gavel. And then all six of them grab his hand. All right, you're gonna, you're gonna have a parent. You are officially gonna have a parent. Bang, the gavel drops. And man, these kids are like, yes. Yeah, because they've got a parent. This is what Paul's saying. You can have an Abba. You get adopted as a child of God. You know, at the set time, Christ Jesus came into the world, born of a, b- born of a woman, but he's the son of God. To re- redeem us under the law so that we could be received as sons and daughters of the living God. This is meaningful so that we can say, Abba, we, we're legit. We are legit sons of the, uh, of the most high God. We're legit daughters of the most high God. The, the, Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back, and to make it official. I am a legitimate, rightful heir with my brother Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. And God did that at the set time. God did it at the right time. We need to live by that faith, believing that, believe that you are a son and a daughter of the most high God. If you get up in the morning and you're down because there's craziness in the world or craziness in your life, get in tune with that you are a son or a daughter of God. And maybe um, you've been waiting for something. You've been waiting for something. And it seems like, man, the pause button has been pushed on my life. Oh, it's, I'm waiting and waiting and nothing's happening. 
You've been longing for something patiently. Let me tell you, God knows the best time. God has the set time. He is the time set. Some people lived and they didn't receive the promise, but God knew the set time. He knew the perfect time. So live by faith today, right now, in this time. And be encouraged that God has the perfect time. He is the set time. He had the set time to send his son, Jesus Christ. He knew the proper, exact, perfect time to step out of eternity and into time. And he knows the set time, the perfect time for whatever it is you're waiting for or longing for. And he sent Christ Jesus. He sent him to live in this world where he was born of a woman and he felt pain and he understood it. And he was born under the law, but to redeem us. Live by faith. You can't rely on the works of righteousness. You can't do that to be reconciled with God. Relying on your works, it's gonna negate the sacrifice of Christ. You know, Paul pressed this throughout this letter to the Galatians about all who would rely on the works. He's like, you're under a curse. Be out from under the curse. Live by faith in Christ and receive that adoption to, to, to an, a legitimate child of God. Live as God's child. You are. You are when you're in Christ. He set times and he set the perfect time for you, for, for the things in your life. God made you his child, an heir of eternal life with Christ Jesus. Keep that faith. Our faith is founded on this. Our faith is founded on the incarnation of the Son of God who, who came as that Christmas baby and he gave his life on the cross to, to redeem us and to pay for us that we could become the children of God. Let's, let's go to the communion table and celebrate that and know that that sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross is for all of us.